Friends, welcome to this episode of Leadosophy. This is part two of three as we discuss, continue the discussion about self-doubt. No intro today. We're going we're gonna to dive right in because I have a meaty, a very meaty academic article. I'm going to introduce it here in a second just to kind of recap what we talked about last episode. We introduced this idea of self-doubt and we talked about it in the context, context of leadership and being in a, a leadership role and we talked about it in the in the idea or the concept of competence, leader competence. That's and that's what I discuss my my experiences in leadership roles and my the self doubt that I had in various, you know, between my beliefs and my skill sets and it kind of followed me throughout my military career. And I think largely I think it followed me in a in a semi healthy way. I don't think I ever got too wrapped around the axle with self doubt to where it was dragging me down or it was crippling my ability to make decisions. I think it was healthy enough to, and I talked about this on the last episode, please go back and, and give, it a, give it a chance. If you haven't seen it, it'll, it'll help with this one. I talked about it, self-doubt in a, in a healthy way as it kind of weakens the ego, keeps us from getting into the, to the realm of overconfidence, overconfidence, and keeps us from, you know, sometimes thinking that, you know, we're, we're better than we are. Leadership is hard. I talked about leading other humans is, is messy. It's, it's unpredictable. It's very complex. And I've always been under the mindset that if you feel like you figured out the leadership thing, that might be a red flag or might be a warning for you. Because as soon as you think you have the idea or the concept of leadership figured out of leading other humans, uh, something crazy is going to happen. You're going to you're going to experience a scenario you've never had, and it's going to kind of knock you back a peg. So I think it's important to always realize that we'll never truly have leadership figured out. There'll always be this this mystique or this mystery surrounding leadership, especially when you have a a lot of dynamic and complex personalities trying to work together to to achieve common goals. So the article that. It's an academic uh, article that I, you know, screenshot. You can see the screenshot, but it's titled "Self Doubt." Very simple, and it was introduced in the Social and Personality Psychology Compass in 2012. The authors are Matthew Braslow, Jean Guerritas. I'll probably mess that name up really bad. Robert Arkin and Catherine Olson. They're from the Ohio State University and Reed College. And I thought this article was interesting to pair kind of with the, with the last episode because it deep dives academically into this idea of self-doubt. And what I liked about the article, and I'll kind of take away, I'll try to give you my, my takeaways from this article from, from Leadosophy's standpoint, kind of like analysis, try to wrap it back into the last episode. What I really liked about this article is it is written, self-doubt is approached from the angle of self-competence, where it's juxtaposed against kind of self-competence. How do we view our own competence? And do we have doubts about our competence? And that's what they're, when they're talking about self-doubt, that's what they're talking about. And they kind of, they they juxtapose that with self-liking and, and kind of like this, this concept of who we are as a whole person, right? So they're not talking about Am I a good person? Am I a bad person? That's not what they're talking about in this article. They're talking about competence levels, our beliefs about our skill levels, our competences, and, and whatever it might be. 
And again, that's what I talked about in the last episode, especially about myself. So I, I think this, this pairs nicely. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to read the abstract of this article. And if, if you want to geek out on, on the academic side of self-doubt, this episode is definitely for you. And if you don't want to geek out on, on the academic side, completely understand, go back and check out the last episode because it's me more kind of just spitballing my random leadosophy thoughts. You may like that more. So I'm going to dive into the, the abstract here. And the authors state, quote, the need, for, the need for understanding serves as a theme throughout social and personality psychology. It is reflected in people striving toward a shared social construction of reality that runs through so much of the history of theory and research in the field. Stemming from this core motivation, the literature is peppered with illustrations of the preeminence of certainty as a goal. And they talk about clarity, consistency, consonance. These are things like in the, in the mind, how our mind processes things. We, our minds like clarity. Our minds like consistency. We don't like to be, we don't like to have things unsolved. We don't like to, to continually try to figure out the why behind things. We want to know what it is, right? So our minds struggle with that. The role of doubt in the form of shaky certainty about the basis for beliefs and attitudes or doubts about one's self-esteem or self-concept has increasingly taken center stage. This review takes the self-confidence element of self, self-worth judgments as its focus and provides an integration of individual difference approaches and experimental investigations of self-doubt. So my first takeaway is this. I don't think we can over overscore, I don't think we can overemphasize the importance of psychology and leadership studies. Right. And again, I've, I've talked about, I've said this before, maybe leadosophy should have been leadology because I think, and I think that sometimes leadership and psychology fusing those two concepts is just as important as leadership and philosophy, maybe more sometimes the, the need to understand human behavior for us as leaders to understand or accrue knowledge about how humans behave, why, why humans do what they do. Why do we think like we think? Um, I think that's important, and it's not just for for accruing knowledge for knowledge's sake. It's about accruing this knowledge about the psychology of of the human mind and how we act, and applying that in the workspace, right? And it's not like not bringing someone who you are leading onto the couch and trying to diagnose what their mental issues are. No, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is just understand what makes people tick. Right, if, if people are thinking something, or if people are self, are experiencing self doubt, this article kind of explains why that might be, and then ways that people may cope with their self doubt. And we all do it. We all have coping mechanisms how we deal with our self doubt and the origins of our self doubt. So I think this is that's why I think it's sometimes important to dive into the literature of whatever we're discussing in leadership studies. We may have a general idea about something as it pertains to leadership. But remember, leadosophy is about theory and practice. What's the theory say? What's the theoretical say? What's the academic stuff say? And I think it's important sometimes to dive into that academic research and and compare that with with our general feelings and ideas and, and concepts of leadership. I think that's important. So they said in the abstract that we strive for conformity and clarity. And again, I talked about how the mind wants clarity, the mind wants conformity, and this just isn't 
in the workspace. This is at home. This is in all of our relationships, right? Self-doubt, and I talked about this on the last episode, self-doubt creates kind of a cognitive tension in the mind. The authors say that people bother to make sense of themselves and one another to satisfy this core motive of understanding, setting the stage for the important social objectives of controlling their own and others' behavior, establishing relationships, and ultimately functioning well in groups and prospering. So again, we're talking about clarity and and the mind trying to understand them that ourselves, the mind trying to understand ourselves within relation to group with other groups and with other people. And I think it's important as we dive into self-doubt to to understand how this kind of all fits in. So the the authors talk about self-doubt, which they describe as doubt about one's feelings of self-confidence. And again, I talked about this on the last episode, competence, doubt about my competence, right? I think the authors make it very clear that when they discuss competence or doubt in one's competence, this should be understood as separate and distinct from self-liking, right? And I talked about that in the, in the, in the very beginning of this episode. When I'm talking about, am I a good person? Am I a bad person? That's not what we're talking about here in self-doubt. And I think that's important for the rest of this episode and understanding what, what this, what this article is about. So the authors acknowledge that both self-competence and self-liking fall under the, under the umbrella of self-worth, right? You have this whole idea of, of us as a person, our self-worth. And underneath that, you have our self-competence on one side, you have um, how we like, how like ourselves on the other. I think that's another dynamic to understand. They bring up, uh, there's a couple articles, and actually I think it was a book written by uh, Carol Dweck. Uh, They talk about Dweck 2006 and Dweck and Grant 2008. And there's a very interesting paragraph that I'm going to read that you may find interesting. Uh, They use Dweck and Dweck and Grant. They use analysis of competence in relation to fixed and growth mindsets as a way to call attention to both the distinction between self-competence and self-liking. So it's, it's Leadosophy's analysis that self-confidence and doubt about one's competence applies directly to growth and fixed mindsets. Self-liking or not liking oneself does not necessarily do that. So I want to read this paragraph. The authors state that Dweck and colleagues provided a clear and compelling focus on competence concerns rather than self-liking or esteem and the early distinction they drew between fixed and growth mindsets. In the fixed mindset, people believe that their basic qualities, such as their intelligence or talent, are stable and unchanging. Such individuals typically spend their time documenting their intelligence or talent rather than developing them further. They also tend to believe that talent alone produces success, and they downplay the role of effort, learning, perseverance, the very prospect of change. In the growth mindset, People believe that the most basic abilities can be developed usually through hard work, dedication, and learning. Talent is a starting point, but only that. The growth mindset is associated with resilience to challenges and failure, a greater appeal for learning for its own sake, and higher intrinsic motivation. And this this next passage here is really critical. I think it's very interesting. The authors write, Self-doubt about one's competence would appear inimical or hazardous to establishing a growth mindset and problematic for generating feelings of intrinsic motivation. By definition, self-doubt is attention to one's self, a focus on hesitation and uncertainty, and measuring one's self rather than fully engaging in tasks 
in an unselfconscious way. So I find that interesting that self-doubt would be at odds with the growth mindset, learning from mistakes. And I think that's a very key takeaway to remember from this from this episode here and from this from the author's article. Self-doubt is is at odds with with a growth mindset or will affect the growth mindset. So I also found this interesting. Uh, recall we discussed on the last last episode and, and earlier on this one, the need for, for cognitive clarity and to avoid this like dissonance or information that we are presented with that runs counter to our beliefs. So here's something they talk about in this article, and I'm going to kind of use my own example. If I call into question your resilience, to criticism. You believe, let's say you hold the belief in your mind that you are resilient to criticism, right? However, if I challenge you on your resilience to criticism, and I ask you to recall specific examples of this resilience, and you struggle to do this, this may potentially cue your, your, your raising or the rise of self-doubt, your own beliefs about how resilient you are. Right, so I have challenged your belief system, right, and that's when you experience that dissonance. Now, all of a sudden, your belief—you were clear about how resilient you were to criticism. I have now clouded the waters of your belief in resilience, right, and now your self-doubt may may rise. Maybe it won't, but maybe it will, right, based on my my asking you to to draw on specific, concrete examples of, and that could go for anything. Maybe you think you're courageous. Or you think you are a good listener, but I point out examples of of you not listening, and then all of a sudden you have this doubt. You're shaken. Your belief system is shaken. So I, there's a really uh, about a page on this in, in the article that was really fascinating. Leadosophy. Another another takeaway Leadosophy has is who is judging us matters to our self doubt, and I think that's very important. And it may go without saying too, right? If someone they talk about someone who, uh, someone who is personally significant to us, and that person is is judging our mistakes, right? If if that person is judging our mistakes, how they view um, a growth mindset or how they grew a f- grow, how they that person, how that person. Let me try to explain this without butchering this from the article. The person who is judging you and this person is personally personally significant to you. If they have a growth mindset or if they have a kind of a fixed mindset. Is, is their theory of, of, of understanding you and judging your mistakes, that may challenge your, your self-doubt or may raise or lower your self-doubt based on who is judging you and what theory they have, mental theory they have on, on growth mindsets and, and fixed mindsets. So some of, the, uh, some of the, that whole passage there was, I probably didn't explain it very well, I'm going to put the, the link in the show notes here for you to, if you want to go back and check this article out, is it's open source on the internet. I actually found it on Google Scholar, which is a tremendous resource if you're trying to, to do some open source academic research. It's Google Scholar is really awesome. But I think from, from a leader's perspective, what we, can, what we can learn about who is judging us and who is judging our mistakes and who may shake, who may shake our self-doubt or who may increase our self-competence, I think it's important that if you are a follower, you have to maybe realize that there are or if you're a leader, you have to realize that there are followers at times who may hold you in high esteem and your opinion of them matters. And your opinion of them, uh, especially if they make a mistake, 
can have an overwhelming effect on their self-doubt on the negative side or how they you can plus up their self-competence and even their confidence right on the other side. So you got to be very careful if you're in a leadership role. You may have followers that view you in a high esteem and, and your opinion of them matters, especially if they make mistakes. Um, you have a very real opportunity there if they make a mistake to to lift them up or to kind of to crush them with with your comments and, and how you view those mistakes. So I think that's really important. And I'm going to finish with one quote on that, one last quote on, on that whole idea that I just talked about. The authors write, as we interact with people in daily life, we constantly assess how they judge us and attempt to understand the implicit theories that might be guiding their judgments. Self-doubt about competence might be one byproduct of that natural process. So that's, again, that's kind of closing that whole thought out. And lastly, this might be the most important part of the article, which I really encourage you to check out if you can. It's, they, they talk about the ways that we try and cope with our self-doubt. And I'm going to cover kind of the top three. There's, a, there's more than three, but I'm going to talk about the, the top three that they, they discuss. And the first one is self-handicapping. So I'm just going to read some, some passages out of self-handicapping. And again, this is a coping strategy. This is how psychologically we deal with self-doubt. I'm talking in general. I'm not saying how I deal with self-doubt. I'm just saying in general. So self-handicapping, they say they say they cite that it's the most widely cited strategy for managing one's self-doubt about competence. Self-handicapping provides the opportunity to obscure the plausible causes of failure. This strategy makes the handicap as likely an explanation for failure as one's incompetence. And so self-handicapping is appealing even in the face of failure. Self-handicappers, I'm going to continue on down a little further down. Self-handicappers, they say, rarely receive, indeed they often eschew, diagnostic information about their ability levels. Self-doubt compels the handicapper to never put his ability to a true test. So that's self-handicapping. The next coping strategy is overachievement. You probably heard this before. You've heard of the overachievers. Uh, they, they, the authors state that self-handicapping is only one way to cope with self-doubt about one's competence. Faced with self-doubt and the implications of failure, people have more than merely one way to handle that threat. Among these, some people might strive to ensure that failure is prevented. Others might opt to obscure its attributional implications. Unlike the self-sabotage of self-handicapping, Subjective overachievement involves the exertion of extra effort in order to avoid failure. By definition, the author states, self-doubtful individuals are uncertain whether their ability alone can produce a success. So exerting an extraordinary amount of effort is one way to enhance the prospects of success and with enough heroic, single-minded effort, perhaps ensure it, ensure success. So that's overachievement. So we've talked about self-handicapping. We've talked about overachievement. And the last coping strategy that you've probably heard of is imposter syndrome. The authors write, those said to suffer from the imposter syndrome struggle with the sense that their successful outcomes are not an accurate reflection of their underlying abilities. Unlike the subjective overachiever, however, the imposter supposedly views his or her success as unearned and illegitimate. Individuals with imposter feelings often cite luck 
timing or good fortune as their key to success and are convinced that others are precipitous and perhaps deceived in ascribing their successes to their ability. So even in the face of demonstrably demonstrably successful outcomes, imposters may still harbor doubts about ability and fear that they are less capable than others assume. So that was, that was a lot that was pretty heavy. Uh, I apologize if you don't like that kind of deep dive into academic research. That was the first kind of that. I think that's actually, I'm almost on episode hundred. That's actually the first academic article article I've dove into. I don't know how I did. I thought it was kind of, kind of choppy. It's a, there's a lot to it. I'm trying to try to break this down into bite size into a, kind of a bite size analysis from Leadosophy's perspective and try to tie it into stuff that I've already talked about. I found it very challenging, the process of, of reviewing an academic article and, and trying to present it in podcast form. I found it challenging. But some final thoughts on, on this, this article. You know, I think Leadosophy wonders how you can apply this knowledge to leadership and followership. I think I've already talked about it a little bit, especially with that whole, that whole bit we talked about where understanding who is watching you, who, who your followers are, how they're influenced by your judgments and how it affects their self-doubt and self-competence. So I've learned uh, quite a bit about self-doubt, especially as it applies to how we view our own competence, how we compare and judge our competence with and against others, and how we can, as leaders, influence self-competence and self-doubt in others around us. I think, lastly, it's important to be mindful of these kind of psychological mental hurdles you and me and others go through day in and day out as we navigate kind of the human dynamic landscapes that we live in. We're trying to fit in. Even if we have a leadership role, we're still trying to fit in. We're trying to square our beliefs with the data that we are processing in the world. And I think that's one of the most important things. We have certain beliefs about ourselves. And I think more often than not, we're trying to validate those beliefs that we have. And we're trying to pull data from our environments to validate our beliefs. And again, there's, there's some data that we pull. Maybe it's direct criticism from someone that, that goes against the grain of what we believe about ourselves that just kind of really throws us into, into a whole whirlwind of potential self-doubt. And that goes for anything. You can see it on, you can go, you can see it on social media, how the, the mind searches for, for data points that validate our beliefs. Right. I mean, just look how volatile the political landscape is. We seek information that validates what we believe. And that's kind of the whole 40,000 foot level of the psychology of the mind and how it works. No different. It works no different than self-doubt and leadership, self-doubt in our, in our competence levels. It's all, it's all comes from the, from the same places within the mind and the studies of the mind and psychology. So that's enough. That's all I can do for this episode. That's, I think I'm sweating on this one. That was a good one. Very definitely challenged me, uh, challenged me intellectually. I'm trying to pull this apart and put it in podcast form. Shout out to the authors of this article. Uh, I hope I did a sliver of justice of, of the research that you did in, in the article you wrote. Thanks for watching, everybody. Remember, Leadosophy is about using the tools of philosophical thought to deepen our understanding of leadership and of life. See you next time. Thanks for watching and listening to another episode of Leadosophy. If you liked what you heard today, 
hit that subscribe button and check out leadosophy.com and learn more about Tim's ideas on philosophy and leadership. We'll see you next time.